0: Ladies and gentlemen, and loyal Warner Archive Collection podcast listeners, please take note, at the end of this podcast will be a very special announcement, so be sure to stay with us till the very end so you can hear what we have to say. Welcome to This Week in the Warner Archive Collection, where we discuss our newest releases. I'm George Feltenstein, and I'm proud to be joined by my colleagues, Matt Patterson and D.W. Ferranti. Today's new Warner Archive Collection podcast celebrates the Warner Archive Collection in all its glory, in everything it does. And who better to kick it off than our own Matthew Patterson? What are we celebrating, Matt?
1: It is our four year Warner Archive Collection anniversary. And George, I came to work at this fine institution just a few days before. You were already here laying the groundwork. Did you know that you were going to... Still uh, be laying groundwork four years later? Yes. (laughs) Institutionally birth a monster.
0: And probably we will all continue to be laying groundwork for many decades to come. I hope This is a venture that was many years in the planning and continues to grow and diversify and prosper with many people on the team continuing to contribute to its growth and prosperity so i think it's a wonderful time to note what we are looking forward to as well as what we're
1: proud of now dan you were among the audience at this point you didn't know what was going to be coming around the corner from warner brothers and what what was your first thought when you came into contact with the awesome spectacle of Warner Archive?
2: I did receive one of the very initial emails announcing it. I was not a Warner employee at the time, and the initial thought I had was, "It's about
1: time," because the the just you know I, we assume that everybody who's listening is familiar with the concept of. Well, actually, of what I was going to ask
2: George maybe if he wanted to just briefly That's what go I into. Say. The genesis of the idea of MOD and maybe just getting things put together, some of the brief hurdles early on, because I know it was literally years in development. It was
0: six years in development. One of our now major executives, who is a, a treasured colleague, it was his idea to develop this business and he worked on it for many, many years in concert with other people, some of whom are no longer with the company. And I was uh, brought in early on from a content standpoint. And in the years of logistical development and technical development and corporate structural development and managerial development and business development, all these little pieces came together because what was proposed was revolutionary. We, with the world's largest library of filmed entertainment, were positioned to make content available to the consumer on a direct-to-consumer basis, manufacturing discs on demand, and this is something that had never been done by a major studio before. And so there were many fathers and some mothers, and on March twenty-third, two 2009, the business initiative was revealed to the public. And now it's four years later, 1,500 titles plus later, we've paved the way for the industry, and the quality content and diversity of our releases has grown as we continue to cultivate and grow this business, which is very exciting.
1: Uh, And I would say that really wasn't it Ms. Debbie Reynolds who came out on the Today Show.
0: That's right. On the day we launched, Debbie Reynolds was on the Today Show, the later segment of the Today Show with... uh, Kathy Lee and Hoda, I believe. I was at work; I didn't get to see it. And uh, Debbie announced the Warner Archive Collection from the Today Show, and uh, the rest
1: is history. I just as a because I was working with the WB Shop at the time, and just the fun thing thing for me is that, of course, when I was told about this, and I think I had talked to you a little bit on the phone, George, and I was just like, "Wow, this is just mind bogglingly cool." Was seeing after it was announced. Just all the traffic from all over the world coming to see the website and to see the when we launched with 150 titles. So we have done 10 times that amount.
0: That's right, and 150 titles took two years to get ready. And uh, I think we have to shout out to one of our former Warner colleagues who really was the primary technical architect, and that was John Crozier. Oh, yeah. And um, he was the one who really found the way to find the manufacturer that would work with us. And uh, we owe a great deal to John and a lot of people who are no longer with the company, as well as some who still are and various roles. Uh, But now we have our team, which is expanding and growing as the business is expanding and growing. we can talk a little bit more about that later.
1: And what's kind of fun with this is that from the direct-to-consumer standpoint and where I came in to help a little bit more was that we got to make newsletters and new new release, you know, like because you wrote at first. You would write up, hi, I'm George, and here are some of the new releases. Uh, and we published those once a month uh, starting out, and that eventually led to a year ago – this very podcast that you're listening to because this is That's an right. extension of that newsletter which which Dan was brought in on because if you are a long time one year listener of this podcast you know that Dan has a lot of facts and opinions rattling around in his brain and if this job was not created for Dan what would I be doing and, and more importantly
0: let me take the opportunity to say that our initial newsletters were not particularly glorious in their use of phraseology no however with dan's arrival our newsletter transformed from awkwardly worded text or effective text to splendid exciting words that were put together in such a way that people now look forward to receiving our newsletter i'd like to
2: thank (laughs) stanley
0: stanley who (laughs) <laughs> Stanley no, Lieber. i yes I, uh, I will always thank Stanley. lee well um, but, but seriously we owe you both of you guys a great deal of thanks for having built out the infrastructure from which we can reach out to the consumers and really communicate the sense of fun and excitement that we internally have about these films and you transmit that to the world through the newsletter, so it's a little bit of uh, patting ourselves on the back, but yes. I'll pat you on the back metaphorically by saying that what you both do in transmitting our message to the people at large is quite wonderful. So you're here.
1: Well, uh, someone who is a friend described our voice sometimes as aggressively optimistic. which i like because i'm like
0: yes but you also have to remember the two most important words in the english language when thinking about that which are alan
2: jenkins
1: (laughs) 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 that's right we can take any model
2: any model for me i think that's probably the most exciting thing about the archive is that i was able to get people to seriously reevaluate
1: the career of alan jenkins in all of its phases i felt that you yourself got to reevaluate i mean i was already a fan but 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 you did having to dive deep like this
2: no no yes so as
0: we celebrate four years and we get ready for year five it's heartening to know that we begin year five with uh, more than an ample dose of new Alan Jenkins on the way. It's
2: it's all about Alan. Ooh. Just last <laughs> night, I was Alan Jenkinsing. <laughs> now, speaking of Alan, looking at the three years before the podcast... Right. Are there any titles that anyone wants to shout out? I know I have a special four I want to mention.
1: I have one, but why don't you start since you have more?
2: Okay, well, I have four, uh, which I believe actually date from either the first or second newsletter i worked on oh so i was still sort of learning the ropes and these four i refer to as the forgotten forbidden there are four really terrific pre-code pictures but they came Uh out right before christmas december 10th 2010 and in my opinion we haven't done these films enough of a service in getting people to know and talk about them one of them Alias the Doctor, directed by Michael Curtiz and starring Rachel Bartlemyth, just played at uh, BAM.
1: Yeah, we co-sponsored that screening in uh, Brooklyn.
2: And I was very happy to hear they wanted to show it because it's a great flick. But you podcast listeners, I encourage you to please check out, from headquarters, Blondie Johnson and Heat Lightning as well. Blondie Johnson, typical pre code gangster flick with a big twist in that the protagonist is Joan Bondell.
1: Oh, and we've got a lot of
2: Joan. And between Joan Blondell
0: and Alan Jenkins, who worked together more than once, Mm -hmm. I think we're in two of Dan's favorite camps. That's true. (laughs) But these four films were among the earliest of the pre-codes that we remastered. And we used to have a red band at the top of our... I think that's important to note that when we started Warner Archive, we were using what we could find as the best available masters. 16 by 9, like we didn't do
1: really any 4 by 3.
0: We never maths. committed the sin, thank God. Yeah, We never committed the sin of 4 by 3 pan and scan. We never committed the sin of uh, widescreen film being released not in its original aspect ratio. And because of that, we needed to be able to remaster films and spend money on mastering. And when we started, we couldn't have dreamed of that. And within a year, we were able to reinvest in the business so we could start remastering. Now we've been remastering for over three years. We're past 450 features that we've remastered, many television series, many animated television series, short subjects, we are incredibly grateful to our friends, partners and colleagues at Warner Brothers Motion Picture Imaging for making this possible, for our archivists here who help us, for our tech ops team, for our digital production department that helps make all of that so that's a great thing, but these four films that Dan brings out are all wonderful and they were overlooked because they came out too late
1: in the year to get noticed. Well we, we, cuz we would have so much christmas messaging that And we also
0: didn't have the great good fortune of this kind of new release podcast with you guys it's true. and we where had, we let people know what's coming out everywhere. and we hadn't
2: really revived the forbidden hollywood branding and right. that would have been a great way to package these films. Right. Many of our films
0: are pre-code and fall into that category but We didn't rebrand Forbidden Hollywood until last year, but I think we're going to have to do it again soon.
1: It's it's fun times. And I just want to make a little uh, note, uh, because our packaging, the old packaging says it, and you'll see it in the newsletters. George, if you'd want to address... What is the difference between like remastering and a restored release? Well, Excellent the question.
0: reason great question because we no longer put the red band about remastering on our packaging because people were confusing remastering for full restoration. And many of our films that have been remastered have also been the benefit of a full restoration like 13 women right. where we went back to the camera negative and made a new fine-grain from the camera negative scanned the fine-grain at 2k mastered a brand new master that served for our DVD audio was cleaned up everything was brought up to a higher level but in many cases we were using the best available film element We were creating a new master in most cases when we remaster something. It's either because the existing master is of the wrong aspect ratio and is old, or is old and bad, or both. And having the ability to remaster, like films specifically, such as Alias the Doctor from Headquarters Blondie Johnson, those titles had existed as one inch analog masters made in the late 80s for television done as one lights they were pretty terrible and these masters represent a huge leap forward but do not represent the six figure plus enormous, perfect, every-frame restoration that you'll find on a Blu-ray from Warner Home video. So we wanted to be able to distinguish that difference.
1: And I, uh, on a tour of the the, the MPI facility, I I got to look over the shoulder of someone uh, working on Superman, uh, the movie, and he was showing, like, how each frame, I mean, literally each and every frame has gone over and that is a painstaking, labor-intensive and very expensive process. Yes. And, you And, know,
2: and at least I know, like, because you told me the Superman story, there was, you saw him fixing something in the film that had actually been... In the negative. In the negative.
1: Yeah, it was like a weird... Because when you used to conform negatives, you'd you'd have this, like, kind of A and a B role. A,
0: B checkerboard. And, so, yeah.
1: and that could, you know, uh, people are human. And they can make a mistake, and like a weird little frame of film got through that, and it was just one frame.
2: So it was like a flash frame. It was of. like
1: a flash frame that nobody had noticed for, you know, 30 years or whatever. Right, I and mean, it was
2: the first time
1: it had ever been fixed. And you can remove that. I think it was uh, two frames, actually. And yeah.
2: with, with the
0: advancement of technology, the consumer has also become far more adept and uh, aware of anomalies and calls them out so the more sophisticated the consumer the more difficult the job of trying to keep up quality to the standards that are now expected
1: i mean home equipment so get less sophisticated people yeah (laughs) our recommendation is just to get a view mask. don't get
2: any more sophisticated than me (laughs) that's
1: (laughs) 3d oh i forgot
0: we have so Dan do you want to continue talking about those four movies because you only talked about
2: Um, well a little bit about Blondie Johnson but uh, yeah from headquarters William Dieterly, it's a great police procedural murder mystery Blondie Johnson as I said is a rags to riches gangster story starring Joan Blondell. Heat Lightning uh, directed by Mervyn Leroy if you are a fan of noir you are really going to like Heat Lightning even though it's not a noir but it's a great crime picture and uh Bonnie Johnson, directed by Ray Enright, which starring uh, Chester Morris and Joan Blondell, you really need to see for Joan Blondell's performance, in which much uh, akin to Barbara Stamick and Babyface is a woman unapologetic for what she has to do and get by in society that so degrades women. And
0: also, uh, Blondie Johnson calls out the need for health care.
1: Oh, right. Yes. <laughs> well, these were some of the Warner Brothers social films Absolutely, at the time. This is the We've company
0: talked- that, that called out the social ills of the era
2: ripped from the headlines
1: in some way maybe we should go on the website and sort of type these together because they really do play uh, these Warner Brothers you know like 70 minute movies
2: right and 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 even like these four you see running common themes of like health care deprivation separations in the class hypocrisy unequal justice. And
0: that's exactly why we released them together as a group when we did. We should have just right. done it at a different time in the year so it would have gotten better notice. But thanks to your adept spotlight Dan, we now have shed a new light on these four fantastic films.
1: I, I came at some of the back catalog from a, a slightly different perspective because, you know, I've been staring at these movies I have not seen all 1500 films. Probably Yet. not even close. But When I do stuff in my normal life, I start thinking, I'm like, wasn't there a movie I didn't see? And then the plot becomes familiar because I was just on a cruise ship and it was ocean days. There's just the ocean. I'm staring out at the ocean and I'm like, I feel like I'm sailing into the netherworld. And then I go, wait, didn't we release a movie like that and of course as soon as I came back I went into the closet and got uh, Between Two Worlds that's right from 1944 which is um, about some people waiting to get on a cruise ship actually to come uh, a ship to come to America and they are bombed they're hit by a bomb but then they wake up on a cruise ship and that cruise ship they well you learn it early on Now, nowadays you wouldn't know it right away but they point out that they are on a cruise ship to the afterlife so and, I'm not spoiling anything.
0: And that was a remake of Outward Bound with Leslie Howard from 1930, which we have yet to release.
1: Well, that's why I couldn't go into the closet and get that one. But now I want to see that one, too. The other day, we're preparing for an upcoming presentation, and I was pulling some clips. And then I realized that there were certain films I hadn't seen the full the full movie. And one that I saw the other day uh, was She. And what I had that's seen shocking since
2: that was one of our very first. I'm gonna squeak my voice again.
1: What I had only seen the was... end, I realized because oh. I had seen it on TV or something in little parts. of that I'm, I'm just she who it. must be obeyed. She and she
2: said, and it's Ursula Anders. you better obey, she who gets slapped. Oh.
1: Uh, yes, and uh, of course, I watched the whole thing. Then I go and read about the movie and how it was based off of, uh, you know... H. Ryder Haggard. Yeah, see, Daniel... Hammer I,
2: Films, one but, of Hammer's big prestige productions of the 60s.
1: But this is one that, you know, we had Reemploying
2: released. the same voiceover artist for Ursula yes. as used in Dr. No. Which was funny
1: because I was reading people's comments and they're like, Ursula's voice is kind of strange. <laughs> the same
0: guy that did Gert Frobe and Goldfinger?
1: <laughs> but we've got so many movies... You can find one for almost any life occasion. George, what what do you think uh, one of the movies from uh, the early days, maybe 2009 or 10, that uh, has sort of been lost in the mists?
0: Well, I, I wanted to call attention to movies that not necessarily were lost in the mists, but came before we started doing these weekly new release oh, yeah,
1: podcasts. Yeah. Well,
0: and specifically ones that I would would want to call out Regardless, because they're great, and a lot of people may not know about them. The first is one that I spent a lot of time working on, which is Athena Mm. from 1954, which is a musical about health nuts, a family of health enthusiasts who eat healthy and get exercise and are looked upon as, no pun intended, fruitcakes. By uh, normal people. And
1: don't they go out to Muscle Beach?
0: They don't go out to Muscle Beach, but there is a muscle um, competition. Oh, that's it, the muscle
1: competition. At, at,
0: toward the end of the film in which Steve Reeves and various other famous bodybuilders of the era compete as the MGM orchestra plays "Jealousy." But this is a very <laughs> um, unique MGM musical uh, with Jane Powell, Debbie Reynolds, Vic Damone, uh, Louis Calhern. Edmund Perdom plays the uh, male love interest of Jane Powell, uh, has a wonderful score by Hugh Martin and Ralph Blaine, and a big budget musical that didn't quite find its audience originally, that also was released with a monaural soundtrack because it wasn't in CinemaScope. Oh, that's- and until the Warner Archive release came along, this glorious sounding movie sounded pretty bad in just flat, mono sound. And I'm very pleased that we here in Warner Archive spent a lot of time and energy creating a true bonafide stereophonic soundtrack for this movie when there wasn't one. And it has sold very well and gotten very nice reviews, but we did not ever get to talk about it on the podcast. We talked about it in the newsletter way back when, and that's why you're familiar with it. And I, I think you designed some very nifty menus for that
1: they, It definitely has special menus. And there are
0: outtake musical numbers on the disc as well. Uh, So it's it's a really fun disc uh, and one of which we're very proud. Another film that is not obscure but just that never got released on DVD that we put out at the end of 2011. So it never got covered in a podcast but it is one of our best sellers and something of which we're most proud because we did not only remaster it but a lot of restoration work went into it as well. Is Warner Brothers' biography of George Gershwin, Rhapsody in Blue, starring Robert Alda, Alexis Smith, Oscar Levant, and a host of special guest stars recreating their Gershwin performances, including Al Jolson singing Swanee, and Brown, the original best from Porgy and Best singing Summertime, and uh, many other wonderful talents contributing. Phenomenal Gershwin performances and this was a mighty effort on the behalf of the studio and Gershwin's music is immortal and the disc looks great and sounds great and um, I would definitely want to
2: talk about how wonderful that movie is. <laughs> if you've never had the privilege of watching Oscar Levant perform... Not just as a pianist, but as a very, very engaging and funny comedian actor. You owe it to yourself to start off with Epstein Blue and then hunt him out.
0: Absolutely. Whether it be in a musical like The Bandwagon or in a straight dramatic film where he offers uh, comic relief like Humoresque with Joan Crawford and John Garfield, Oscar Levant was... uh, quite a character he wrote a couple of biographies autobiographies including memoirs of an amnesiac
1: <laughs> and uh, another
0: book he wrote that i love is called the unimportance of being oscar uh... he was the definition of wit uh... he was a neurotic before such a thing became uh... in fashion and his neurosis was the subject of many humorous talk shows with jack parr and people like that But he also appears in many of our films, notably American in Paris, I think, and Bandwagon are probably the ones he's best known for. But he was in real life George Gershwin's best friend and has that strange situation in the movie of playing himself and they – it's no secret, of course, that Gershwin died very young of a brain tumor. And uh, Levant is in the middle of playing the concerto in F and they stop. They say – we must report that George Gershwin has died and then Levant has to go back and play the rest of the concerto. Mm. And such a thing like that, I think, would be horrific to have to actually, I'm sure that didn't happen in real life right, like but that. You well. still have to relive that but moment. for a yeah. guy that isn't a quote-unquote actor, what he experiences and how he expresses it in the on the piano and whatnot is... Uh, Quite remarkable. Uh, directed by Irving Rapper, who directed The Corn is Green, starring Betty Davis, another one of our recent releases. Well,
1: we got and the voice of the
0: turtle. We could talk oh, about that. Yeah. By all means, I'd recommend Rhapsody in Blues. So I could talk forever about all 1500. You, you I want to hear from you.
1: You would say that would be a Rhapsody for the ears and eyes. Absolutely. Especially with the way
0: the Warner Brothers Orchestra sounds with the beautiful soundtrack. Because that, again, was a... Not just remastered, but it came from restored film elements, and extra work was done on that title.
1: When that kind of sound work is done, like you brought up Athena, where you're bringing in the original elements, are those original elements stored on tape stock, or, or are those optical?
0: How- that's, a, that's a great question. Athena was recorded on 35 millimeter magnetic audio film. Mm-hmm. It was full coat at the very beginning of the use of magnetic recording technology. So MGM recorded the music on left, center, right, Uh three-channel music, 35-millimeter mag, and then the vocals would be recorded that way as well. And so those magnetic tapes were copied and preserved, Mm -hmm. I would say probably about 15 or 20 years ago, and from those preservation multi-track recordings the new stereophonic track was created
1: now before that uh what year was that that was 19 the recordings were made in 53 the
0: film was released in 54.
1: so magnetic tape was something that came out after world war ii brand
0: new it started being used i believe i could be wrong but i believe the first studio to use recording technology and magnetically was paramount Mm -hmm. because bing crosby was under contract to paramount And Bing Crosby had made an investment in the company that brought (laughs) the magnetic technology over from Europe. Wow. And I believe Paramount was the first of the major studios. Again, I could be wrong, so I'm just saying this, I think. But within, that was around 1949, 50, By 1951, magnetic technology was being used at most of the studios.
1: And when you say it's in 35 millimeter, that was so it could be in sync with the 35 millimeter film. So an editor on like a, a Steinbeck, these large flatbeds, would be able to physically mark... On the on the magnetic tape, right. where cuts were, and in those
0: days there were no flat beds; they were movieolas. It oh, was all geez. upright. And I'm it sorry. was a lot of work. <laughs> no, um, so the magnetic technology allowed for a reproduction of sound quality that really didn't get bettered until the 70s and the Star Wars right. era. Yeah, yeah.
2: Until you know, the that,
0: THX that people. Until that Dolby fellow. Dolby and, and of course, then the, the digital revolution of the early 90s that began with Jurassic Park. And,
1: and then before, because we've talked about Vitaphone here, which was uh, the sound was distributed on disk. So but between that and the magnetic era, it was optical or right. wire?
0: Optical audio was developed simultaneously to the Vitaphone disk and optical eventually became the, stand. the industry standard. And never really went away because even when magnetic technology came in, there were a lot of smaller theaters that could not afford having MAG playback heads on their projectors. Right. And uh, they demanded that optical mono be also uh, available to their theaters. And it wasn't until the Dolby technology brought optical sound to local movie theaters at a low price in the 70s and Star Wars... Making that popular, basically, sound in local movie theaters went downhill right. for almost 20 uh, years. You, the big cities had 70mm. That's what Matt, I was you ask always would about look me. for 70mm six track. The only way you could have a six track audio on a movie mm-hmm. uh, was if you had a 70mm print. So a lot of 35mm movies would get blown up to 70mm. Because that was the only way you could get six tracks of sound into the theater,
1: and people coming into uh, projection technologies now that can be a little confusing for them because someone's like, "We have a seventy millimeter print, right?" But yeah. unless it was shot with a, and I think specifically a sixty-five millimeter, that's correct. Uh, film stock. That just means it's blown up, but the advantage to seventy millimeter distribution at the time was that it would have the better six channel sound. Right,
0: and all the movies, the the, the big films that really took off in seventy millimeter projection, like Star Wars and Raiders of the Lost Ark and Star Trek: The Motion Picture and whatnot, they were thirty five millimeter movies that were blown up to seventy millimeter. Right. The amount of films that were shot on sixty five millimeter stock. Is probably less than seventy-five. Yeah, it's not. It's not a big list because it's it's it doubles your price and, and then.
1: Some. I get people were talking about this a little bit more. You know, in the in the fall when the master came out, right? Because right. I think he that speaking was speaking of
2: seventy mm yeah, in, in sixty-five.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just sort of, but you see, the these movies relate to today. So
0: when we're talking about the technologies uh, of the films that we're working on for Warner Archive, we don't we haven't ever released anything <laughs> that was shot in sixty five millimeter. I don't think, but uh, we'd have to get a bigger disc. <laughs> <laughs> but we've certainly uh, been involved with many films that were recorded magnetically after the fifties and. These stereophonic soundtracks are very important if a film was released that way.
1: Well, just speaking about technology, you know, this is another landmark for us in this anniversary, is that this is the one-year anniversary of this very podcast. Only a year. It seems like Seems so much longer. One year,
0: and how many hundreds of films?
1: (laughs) Maybe it was a
2: dog year.
1: We started out on this idea, we knew, Dan and I knew that George, in part of our exciting process, had has seen most of these movies all of them yeah and Dan and I had not seen all of these movies and so for us every uh, week before coming to see this we're, we're kind of scrambling to uh, see all these films it's, it's a lot of hours isn't it Dan mm-hmm I don't know what—George, you don't really have a hobby like gardening, do you? <laughs> no,
0: I don't have a green thumb, even though my name apparently George Ween's Farmer. Uh-huh. But a farm is about the last place you'd catch me.
1: Well, you're uh, your farming films. Uh, there are you go. Filmed.
0: But, uh, <laughs> no, also don't forget that, that having worked with the library for a long right. time, there are many of these films that oh, I've seen. Over many seen, years over many years so they're, they're, but when we're preparing a release i look at all the Absolutely. materials before the the quality goes in before the name goes on as they used to say
1: okay. <laughs> um well we will
2: I, sell no film i'd just like
1: to play a little clip right Get here me a jury from our very first podcast so we can hear, you know, like, com- let's compare a year ago. So
0: please pull out that Edison cylinder, if you will.
1: <laughs> this week, we're discussing seven new releases to the Warner Archive Collection, Jungle Lord, Strawberries, and Psychos. I think that about explains what you're going to hear. Starring Ron Ely, Christopher Plummer, Bud Court, George Sanders, Ingrid Bergman, Ann Southern, Fats Waller, Mr. Bojangles, and Cheetah, who is a chimp. First up, Edgar Rice Burroughs had a pretty good run 100 years ago. Not only did his first story, Princess of Mars, featuring John Carter, now a major motion picture, find its way to... All right, I'm cutting it off right there because that was brilliant. Boy,
2: that sounded like somebody reading a piece of paper quickly. Who was that guy? They didn't sound like George.
1: Who was that masked man? (laughs) I just think that was probably the most brilliant presentation of classic movie. And
2: you wonder why we're still not doing it. (laughs)
1: That was only the first episode. I think that I was basically reading off of a piece of paper as fast as possible
2: and telling people that cheetah is a chimp. Uh, he's a
1: monkey. No, he's a chimp. He's, but everyone I... knows the
2: cheetah is a
1: chimp. I was going to say that I think that that was in the newsletter because we. I was basically reading. You were, re- you off were reading the headline. I was That's reading the headline. the headline because we did cheetah the chimp because that actually filled the space properly. Yes, but because we had yeah. I'm just saying. I thought that was wonderful. I don't know why we ever changed. That's my thesis. What do you think, Dan?
2: I think the people have spoken.
1: (laughs) Also, I was speaking fast because we we kept that first podcast under 20 minutes.
2: That's because we only released 25 (laughs) films that week. Well, basically, we've just one step forward, two steps back. (laughs)
1: Dan, didn't we also do a pilot podcast from before that? Didn't we uncover that? Yeah, well? from
2: 2008.
1: 2008, right. We The Lost Podcast. Let's go back to that right now.
2: Hi, Doug! How you doing? I got to say, I got to say I'm really excited about this coming process of making this on demand. Some of the films i'm really hoping to see
1: include- quiet dan it's time to hear me talk
2: Shh. well i thought that
1: was pretty sophisticated Dad. what did you think
2: we didn't do any outgoing sound no yeah maybe we can do some strings later <laughs> i just think it was ahead of its time thank god technology caught up to us
1: so we have one more uh well a few more things we'd like to hit but one if you like uh, our banter there is plenty of chance to see us banter live. What? There's going to be a live show? In Anaheim. In a, are we going to... Di- we're going to WonderCon. Oh. We're going to be at Anaheim at WonderCon between March 29th and 31st. We're going to have a table where you can come meet us. A table? And we can sell you some DVDs. Or just talk to you. Or just talk and talk and talk because we're there for four days and George, me, and Dan will be at two different panels, uh, one on Friday, where we have a guest. We do? Yes. Who's the guest? Ron Ely. Oh, boy. And we're going to be talking about uh, pulp heroes. And like
2: Tarzan and Doc Savage?
1: Yep, very similar to those. And uh, that thread throughout uh, film history as told through the Warner Archive. And then on Sunday... We're going to have a guest.
2: Oh, we have a very special guest, Mr. Jerry Beck, and we will be talking about Saturday morning on Sunday morning,
1: which is the best time to be talking about mm. Saturday.
2: You'll have to bring your own cereal, though.
1: Yeah, we're, we can't we can't give that to you. But if you if you do, and if you wear pajamas, you might get a prize.
2: That's true. If you wear a, and yeah, we will be celebrating the wonder that was Saturday mornings.
1: So if you uh, want more information about WonderCon, you can type the word WonderCon into Google or you can go to Comic-Con, comic-con.org slash WCA to see how you can come and get a little piece of the archive. And then also, I just want to ask uh, George, George, what does the future of the archive behold? Multiple pleasures. Uh
0: are in store. We all know this. We can share a little bit about future plans with people who are listening. Some of the films that people have been looking forward to with the most ardor that they've clamored for that we weren't able to bring to you previously, well, they'll be coming from Warner Archive in the next year or so. Uh, We're working on many of the greatest films in our library that have yet to see the light of day, and some of the worst that are even in higher demand for some strange reason as we live in this polar opposite (laughs) universe. So lots to look forward to on both the feature and TV front. And even more excitingly, we will be building our blue future, more Blu-ray, Blu-rays that represent both classic and contemporary cinema at its best, each film carefully chosen to bring you the finest quality in home entertainment that nicely complements the steady stream of releases from Warner Home Video. Warner Archive is specially selecting titles to bring you on blue that represent our love and dedication to
1: cinema. And I think that that's just blue Also, I'd just like to say uh, before we uh, finish up, we did not get any letters again for a second week in a row. And you know, it's our birthday. Yeah. So if you wanna
2: send us a card we would really appreciate it a birthday card a birthday card very welcome uh you might get a special thank thank you also i want to say because it is our birthday if you're a listener and you're just too selfish and lazy to send us a card, you can get in touch with us any other way. Digital is fine. Find us on Facebook or Twitter and wish us a happy birthday. We won't read it on the air, but we'll know you're there and we'll appreciate the wishes because we really have no idea how many people listen. But if you send a letter
0: with a stamp in an envelope, preferably in crayon, Matt will tell you where to send that letter and you will make... Some people, very, very happy. Matt, where should they send
1: the letter? To the Warner Archive Collection Podcast, b 160 eight. 3400 Riverside Drive, Burbank, California, 91522. And let me add this. This is special for this week. If you send a self-addressed stamped envelope, oh, we will nice. write you back. Nice. Something. We'll write you. Oh, that's um, spiral great. paper. Yeah, it doesn't matter as long as it's a self-addressed you stamped envelope. You will witness how terrible my handwriting
2: is.
0: S-A-S-E. But wait, there's more. We also have an exclusive announcement to make here. And that is that Warner Archive Instant, the Warner Archive collection, is coming to streaming video on demand with our subscription video on demand service, WAI Warner Archive Instant, which is at instant.WarnerArchive.com. So what is Warner Archive Instant? Yes, what is Warner Archive Instant? Warner Archive Instant is a highly curated place to find rare and hard to find motion pictures and television programs from the Warner Brothers Entertainment Library that have been meticulously selected and curated for you, the passionate entertainment consumer who wants more of the kind of material that you can't find any place else, especially on the internet. And this can be streamed to your computer or through your Roku device by joining the service.
2: Now there's something special about the Roku stream currently is that some films will be viewable in high definition. Absolutely, and And these are films in high definition that you can't see in HD anyplace else. 1080p, yo. So, 1080p, films not on Blu-ray, some of the best, most beloved, fan favorites as well as award winners. 80-year-old pre-coat gems with stunning picture quality and that, nice
0: gams. That's right. <laughs> and films basically from the twenties, thirties, forties, fifties, sixties, seventies and eighties, television series, rarities, gems and jewels both well known and needing to be dusted off for reappraisal. That's what Warner Archive Instant is all about.
1: Now we're probably going to talk about this quite a bit in the future because this is we're going to be uh, just to explain, we are not going to have a lot of movies on there at one time. There's not going to be thousands and thousands of films on this. Right, George? It's
0: It will be hundreds and hundreds as opposed to thousands and thousands.
2: Our job, Big enough to know you, small enough to serve you.
1: And our job is to, you know, let you know uh, what's up there, what you make. Wait, wait, our job? Yeah, our job.
0: Let's but... talk about the fact that in in the world of subscription video on demand... You can look at any particular service and see a lot of well-known things, uh, especially contemporary things and things that are familiar, but you also have to sift through hundreds and hundreds of things that you never have heard of, that you never will, that you probably aren't interested in if you're listening to this podcast. But films that, and television programs that are part of the American consciousness and the international consciousness that represent a cinephile view and a fan view. If you're a fan of pop culture and a dedicated cinema lover, this service is for you. And we intend to keep on providing healthy helpings of new
1: Content yeah, in this
0: service constantly refreshing right. on that's, a frequent basis.
1: That's the key to it. Is that it's it's not it's constantly not a static, refreshing. Constantly it's not a,
0: refreshing. Uh, new new films and television series being served up on a
1: regular basis.
2: Think of it as a repertory theater in your living room so, or on your laptop computer.
1: So, uh, just, you know, before we talk about this forever and ever and ever, I mean, like, because we can talk about this for literally hours. And we have. And we have. Oh, and we have. I would recommend, if you haven't checked it out, to go to instant.warnerarchive.com and uh, you don't have to... You
2: don't have to sign up to see what's there.
1: No. The whole website, uh, you can go through, see if you like the, the choices there and realize that these choices will be changing you know, so so keep just tuning in, and uh, we want you to take a, a ride with us as we go through the library.
0: And if you love movies and you love vintage television, this service is for you. There's nothing like it anywhere else, anywhere else, and that's why we've created it. And it is a complement to our existing disc business, which will continue to be growing and be more robust than ever before.
1: Yeah, just just to make clear, the offerings in here are not just Warner Archive discs. That's correct. This, this can pull from the entire library no, in that, fact, that we can.
2: I mean, there are some things that will be available on Warner Archive yeah, Collection. Yeah. There are many things that aren't. And many titles that are available from Warner Home Video. It's the whole library. And
0: many films that have never had a home entertainment release. Yes.
2: yes. Many right. television programs that
0: haven't been seen since they aired on a network for a season or a half season 40 or 50 years ago. And boom, they're back now because of Warner Archive Instant.
2: Yeah, TV that has not been seen since it originally this aired.
0: This new service so- gives us the opportunity to provide you with real rarities but- and gems.
1: If you are listening to this podcast, this service is for you. I mean, it's pretty much that simple because we're starting with the core audience. And if you well, can hear well, us talk for an hour, then you could certainly if find If they signed up for the service, they're probably not
2: listening to us anymore. No, no They're just enjoying the service. They're, yes, they're much they're better having much more fun on Warner Archive Instant <laughs> than listening to us.
1: In fact, we recommend turn this off right now. And check it out. Turn off your dial. Turn it off now.
0: Go to your window. Open it and yell, I want the Warner Archive Instant streaming service. I want, why?
1: All right, well, that's it. I mean, literally, that's it for this week.
0: Don't ask why, say
2: way. (laughs) Warner Archive Instant. (laughs) Uh, And we would close by singing Happy Birthday, but we all know about that.
1: Yeah, we can't, but but we can silently sing it to ourselves.
2: And you can all sing it at home, and we'll hear you in our hearts. I'm hearing it right now.
0: Well, we thank you for listening to this podcast. And next week, we'll be back with new releases for April that are sure to win the heart of loyal Warner Archive enthusiasts everywhere. With that, I am George (laughs) Felderstein.
2: I'm Matt Patterson. I'm grateful for your support. And
0: we thank you for listening and tune in next week for the next new release Warner Archive Collection podcast. We thank you.